Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya So we're very fortunate to have His Grace Adi Purush Prabhu with us today, fresh from Vrindavan, always carrying the cool breeze of Vrindavan Dham with him. I am a product of Braj Bihari Prabhu's mercy. <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, we are studying an interesting uh, chapter. So we, we just finished yes, uh, last, well, two weeks ago because of Jamastami. Um, Prikshit Mar- uh, Prikshit Maharaj. Maharaj Prithu had just uh, uh, relinquished his reign over his kingdom. Uh, passed it over to his sons that he said took shelter of Mother Earth, I believe, as his daughter. And he's, uh, we're just starting to hear about the austerities that he performed. So one thing that's interesting, uh, Adi Prushpu and I were discussing this a little before, is that earlier, um, in the cha- previous chapter, previous two chapters, uh, Pr- uh, Prithu Maharaj was talking to his citizens about karma yoga. Right to uh, work, do their duty, uh, for uh, re- and remembering Krishna at the same time. So karma leading to bhakti, and then he met the Kuma- the, four, the Kumaras, and they were talking about Gyan in the service of bhakti. And now he's about to perform some uh, different yoga practices. Yoga, but but we'll see in a verse or two from now that he was doing this all for the pleasure of Krishna. So yoga connected to bhakti. So here he's kind of covering the whole gambit, and we'll read a purport in the 11th uh, verse about this uh, karma, gyan, and yoga all ultimately culminating in bhakti, but also um, the relationship between those three and bhakti. We won't, we won't give away the secret. Mm. Wait. So let us begin. I think we're on uh, verse number six. Is that right, Jiva Prabhu? Yes. Whatever you say, mm-hmm. we follow. So, verse number six. Following the principles of forest living and the footsteps of the great sages and munis, Prithu Maharaj accepted five kinds of heating processes during the summer season. Usually we put on air conditioning, right? But he he turned on the heat. Um, Exposed himself to torrents of rain in the rainy season uh, and in the winter stood in the water up to his neck. He also used to, simply, uh, used to simply lie down on the floor to sleep. Text 7. Mara, now this is an important point, especially the, uh, the last two sentences. Maharaj Prithu underwent all these severe austerities in order to control his words and his senses, to refrain from discharging his semen, and to control the life air within his body. All this he did for the satisfaction of Krishna. He had no other purpose. Hmm. The, the verse says, Ari Radhaishu Krishnam. So some echo of Radharani's name is here. Uh-huh. Ari Radhaishu Krishnam. He worshipped. So. I told you he was a bridge bossy. <laughs> yes, Radha's name is right there, isn't it? Yes. I mean, yeah. Wow. 
And there's some. Um, by thus practicing severe austerities, verse 8, Maharaj Prithu gradually became steadfast in spiritual life and completely free of all desires for fruit of activities. He also practiced breathing exercises to control his mind and senses. And by such control, he became completely free from all desires for fruit of activity. So we'll talk about um, the purport in a second, Pranayam, but I thought we might talk a little bit. I've been thinking about austerities. And one thing I think we all find is that when you take up any kind of austerity, whether it's, you know, a, a not really an austerity, but a spiritual practice of chanting more attentively or something like giving up sweets or um, giving up milk products except the himsa products or whatever it is, or, or fasting entirely on, on akadasis, in nirjal. Um, it's, it's usually my experience and what I read about, and I, I'll ask Adi to speak about this more, is um, it, it gets difficult at first. Duh. But then, if you pers- and the, the challenge is that it's that difficulty that often stops us from doing it, right? You know, you, you, do near, you try to do near gel the first few katas, you get headaches, and you feel weaker, and such things. But if you persist, uh, almost inevitably, my experience has been that they go away, and you actually feel much better afterwards. I was just watching a YouTube video um, about becoming a vegan, Mm-hmm. You know, this is just your average meat eater person becoming a vegan. And they said this very thing. The first two weeks are torture, right? Uh, but then after that, you feel better. Your complexion gets better. You know, all these uh, benefits come about, which not the kind that we're necessarily exactly looking for. But I think it's kind of a principle in austerities that it kind of, you know, it has that dip. And so, you know, so if we only fast fully on Jamasmi once a year, it's like, Mm-hmm. You know, it's six o'clock. Or like, oh God, six more hours. You know. um, but uh, like we had this, Adi and I had this friend. Remember uh, Dadu? Yeah. And Dadu, elderly man in his eighties, Calcutta from Calcutta, and he used to do near gel every akadasi, and then he would break his fast by coming to our house, and my wife would make him uh, a nice drink because he had been near gel, not drinking. And uh, he always liked grilled cheese sandwiches <laughs> as his, uh, <laughs> to break his fast. Uh, and, he, and he also never wore shoes, ever. ever. Mm-hmm. Cold winter, because, you know, Brindavan gets very cold. Mm-hmm. And the hot summer, he just said, Radharani took my shoes. I can't, <laughs> can't find them. <laughs> but it was not a struggle for him at all because uh, his body got used to it. So I just think that's, that's a, an interesting point that we, we might want to consider. Not, of course, our main austerity are the four regulated principles in trying to chant Hare Krishna attentively and hearing Shastra. Um, but if we do anything in the um, eating, sleeping, mating, and defending realm of austerities <laughs> beyond that, um, we might consider this point, that it, it's usually a struggle in the beginning and it gets easier. Adi, what's your mm-hmm. thoughts on that? <clears throat> it reminds me of Burjan Prabhu's story with uh, his Kartik Vrata, <laughs> that uh, somebody asked me, ask him, uh, he says, somebody asked him, uh, what is your Kartik Vrata? Because in Kartik, uh, you have a very special blessing. Uh, there is a very special promotion, Radhani can award uh, Raganuga uh, results for Vaidhi uh, practice Achha? in Vrindavan. And, uh, of course, Prabhupada says Vrindavan is where you worship Radha Krishna, Radha Madanmohan. And then uh, Burjan Prabhu says, he, he replied, as the, the usual, avoid sweets. 
And then his friend, I don't know who it was, his friend said, why don't you try fast from criticism? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Fasting from criticism. And then Burjan Rabu says, I thought, wow, this is such a good idea. Yes. And then he said uh, that I couldn't last even one day. Yeah, yes, <laughs> it didn't last very long. <laughs> and uh, I, I usually, w w whenever we have some Bhakti Shastri or Bhakti Vaibhava, this is one of the most popular fasts. We invite everybody to fast from criticism for the duration of the course for a week. We usually have an off day on Wednesdays. <laughs> 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 so you can, uh, but um, the, the opposite uh, is, uh, of criticism is satisfaction. So you can see when, when Krishna describes austerity of the mind, in chapter 17 he says, uh, manah prasada, satisfaction is the austerity. So it, for us it's less austere to, to suffer than to say it's okay, I'm, I'm okay, <laughs> I'm satisfied. So it's a subtle austerity of the mind to be satisfied to, uh, and um, the opposite of satisfaction is criticism. So there are many levels, Krishna describes three levels, physical, um, words, also sweet words, anudvega karam vakyam, not disturbing and speaking only for the benefit, tallies also with that uh, um, not criticizing and then manah prasada and somyatam, being a well-wisher like we have above the altar being a well-wisher. So that's another austerity of the mind. So uh, these are the recommended austerities in the Bhagavad Gita, performed for uh, Krishna's pleasure. Otherwise, uh, Shastra says, if a Brahmana is not satisfied, this is the first thing Krishna is asking that messenger from Rukmini, is mm -hmm. uh, saying, is your mind satisfied? That's his first. And then if the mind is not, it says if a Brahman is not satisfied, then the, all the results of his yagya, worship, uh, punya, um, japa, mantra, is leaking out as if from an unbaked, from a leaky pot. So, <clears throat> the, you can see that the ultimate austerity is giving up false ego. And uh, we can, so... We can practice by giving up a little bit, uh, fasting, um, giving, up, giving up a little more, following the regulative principles, taking vows for the regulative principles, <clears throat> and ultimately accepting, okay, I'm not the Supreme Lord, not even the unsupreme Lord. <laughs> I'm, just a, I'm just a servant of a servant of a servant, and that's the ultimate... Austerity. <laughs> Some thoughts on this? About austerities? Yes, Andy, where's the microphone? Well, Whoa, wow, it's on nice and high. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've only been studying for like five years, so I don't know very much. But what, austerities is one of the things that I have a trouble really understanding really, really understanding. And that my one comment is, you never see Krishna pra practicing austerities. <laughs> Everybody yes, else, but not Krishna. Us, <laughs> He's like a happy, well-adjusted, <laughs> he doesn't get austere. Well, in the Brahma Samhita, and the second, in the second canto, and in the Brahma Samhita, it does mention that Krishna is practicing 
perfect, absolute, ultimate austerity. Oh. Because uh, what's austerity? Austerity is the opposite of being the enjoyer, uh, thinking, uh, trying to enjoy. And Krishna is free from that, even though he is the enjoyer. He doesn't uh, uh, strive to enjoy. He, he's showing the, this paradox of uh, yoga on his own example that uh, he has 16,000 palaces, mm -hmm. 108, 16,108 palaces, and all the possible in comforts and enjoyments, but he's free from the uh, spirit of enjoyment. So he's, uh, he's acting out only out of love. So uh, Shastra says he's the perfectionist of austerity. So austerity, we have this uh, conce conception, uh, image, that austerity is something painful and reinforced yeah. by uh, a lot of these descriptions. Yeah. But the essence of austerity is to deal with the enjoying spirit. And frequently I think that uh, the nirjao and uh, all bodily difficulties are uh, just some training ground to uh, help us exercise tolerance uh, kindness, uh, respect, because if I'm, if I have a full belly, if I slept enough, uh, if everybody says uh, you are a wonderful person, then I am a saint, easily, right? I am a saint. Yeah. But if I'm hungry, <laughs> sleep deprived, and uh, some difficulty, that's where I can actually uh, test: Am I kind? Am I tolerant? Am I respectful? So the, these, uh, this, this is for spiritual athletes. These uh, ekadashi austerities. This is for spiritual athletes. Sometimes they have extra austerity to actually train. Because uh, Mahabharata says, if you do austerity and you there are twelve faults listed, and you become proud, you become angry. This was not austerity. Ah. It was not. It was God knows what. Well, it sounds like Andy is in that Sampradaya. What's that verse? Tapasai Yitakim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aradito Yadi Harista Pasatakim. If you, it's Narada Pasharada. If Aradito Yadi Harista Pasatakim, Nantarbahir Yadi Harista Pasatakim, Tatakim, Naradito Yadi Harista Nantarbahir Yadi Harista Pasatakim. If you worship Hari, uh, what you need austerity for. And if you don't worship, what use is austerity for you? <laughs> See, you like that one, right? <laughs> the other thing is, uh, austerities are a little bit like a, like a mini death. <laughs> and, um, you know, one of the most important lessons that we learn in the Bhagavatam is ante narayana smriti, right? That at the time of death, we uh, have to remember Krishna. Um, and also in the sixth chapter, please. Is that the right one? Yeah. No. Eighth, eighth chapter. About, about remembering Krishna at the time of death. Yeah, eighth. Yeah, eighth chapter. Um, so it's actually, it's actually, so it's like almost like a mini death, you know, so it practice, it, it can be practice for us because death is not an easy thing. Is that right, Mataji? Yeah. 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 Finally, then, because she, she works with, uh, she's a chaplain. Mm. So not that she's died many times <laughs> recently. <laughs> uh, and so it, it, is a, it is kind of a good practice to, to help us, if we do it for Krishna's pleasure, to help us uh, at least start putting some wedge between our consciousness and our body mm. and trying to get a little out of the bodily concept of life.
because because what one as I was I think the, the purport of what I was trying to say is one can see that the mind and the stomach etc they have requests that aren't uh, demands requests that aren't factual mm. that we can and again if we do it in a sane way not an insane way mm. right but do things in the same way we can actually see that that a lot of it's up here mm. right oh i couldn't fast mm -hmm. for a whole day or i couldn't you know just eat for whatever it is but actually a lot of it's just in the mind mm. yes mother rambu could you give her I, and as we talk about this topic i'm thinking of how um it says in the scriptures that austerity is the wealth of the brahmanas mm. And um, many years ago, I saw a movie about Siddhartha, you know, when uh, I guess Siddhartha left home from, and he uh, became kind of a, a beggar, mendicant sort of person. And um, it led him ultimately, he owned nothing, he had just his cloth on his back, but it, in the end, he became very wealthy because he said, I can do three things. I can fast, I can pray, and I can wait. And wow. from that austerity, everything came to him just automatically. So I think, I think that is the wealth of the brahmanas is, is that we depend on Krishna and really trust that Krishna is taking care of it, it uh, us through our austerities of worship and sadhana, and we we start to see that everything comes automatically what we need. Yeah. How do we uh, balance uh, austerities wealth of the brahmanas? And Prabhupada said that brahmanas like sweets. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Ask somebody who eats sugar. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you only take Posadam sweets. <laughs> they are balanced. <laughs> they are balanced. Anything else on this point? Yes, Jiva. Everyone's getting exercise today. Hare the So, it's great that you actually identified for Krishna's sake because someone who's not familiar with the philosophy could also say that the people who go to the gambling house, the casinos, they're also praying. So it could be an austerity or, right? <laughs> they're more, you know, it's for their own sake. They want to win the bets that they are placing on. And they're praying that, you know, please, Lord, make it happen. But then the purpose is different. So it's very nice to understand that the context is for Krishna's pleasure, these austerities on Ekadashis are performed. While things in the gambling house or other places, brothels and other places, that's for sense pleasure, which is just opposite. I spent the darkness. Day, I spent a day last week in a casino. Mm -hmm. I was in uh, Apache country, and the uh, meetings that we had were at the casino. Mm. <laughs> I mean, in the conference part of the casino, but I walked through the casino. And Did you feel the influence? It's, it's very, in anyway, it's a whole thing. They, they, they don't have any windows, that's one reason. Right. Uh, and they also put extra oxygen oh. in the rooms. No clock. No, clock. Mm -hmm. no. so you have no, you, you know, it could be three in the morning or three in the afternoon, mm -hmm. and you wouldn't, there's, there's, there's a whole scheme in the way they set mm -hmm. it up so that we walk in a certain way, yeah. When he was saying that, I just wanted to say maybe there's this austerity in the different modes of nature. Maybe what he was talking about was yeah. Yeah. austerity in the mode of ignorance versus exactly. in the mode of goodness. I didn't gamble. <laughs> well, that means you won. So let's go on. So in the purport to eight, 
first Prabhupada, well, at the end, Prabhupada writes that here the word <coughs> pranayama does not refer to any ulterior motive. The actual aim is to strengthen the mind and senses in order to engage them in devotional service. The present, in the present age, uh, this determination can be very easily acquired simply by chanting the holy names. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. And previously, Prabhupada writes, as far as pranayama is concerned, chanting of the holy name of the Lord and dancing in ecstasy is also considered pranayama. Now, Prabhupada isn't poo-pooing pranayama. Matter of fact, in the 11th canto, I can't remember where, I think it's in the Uddhava Gita, uh, pranayama is encouraged, yeah. right? Uh, Udav is asking, what is power? And Krishna says, pranayama mm. is power. Okay. So I know, at least in Sachinandan Swami's retreats, he finds that sometimes uh, devotees, if they do a little pranayama before chanting, their mind is focused mm. and fixed. And also, it's undoubtedly good for your health if you do it properly. Mm. Right? The uh, Loma Viloma, is that what it is? Anuloma Viloma. Anuloma Viloma. And Right, the, from, uh, so, could you give us a demonstration? No, he could. I can't. I can tell you what I can show you what not to do. <laughs> yeah, um, but it, but it, it, it's obviously again one of those things that that there's things that can be sometimes favorable for bhakti, but if we get like too into them and forget that it's for bhakti, in pranayama is probably one of those. You know, it's, it can actually be very helpful. I know uh, I won't mention. I know one sannyasi who, because of his health, he does half an hour of it every day. And mm -hmm. he just uh, listens to a lecture while he's mm -hmm. doing it. Um, so, you know, but it's not the goal of life. It, it, as, as Sachin Andan Swami is saying, it may make your mind a little peaceful. For what reason? So that we can chant better. Yeah. Right? But we know for a fact that there's a connection between the breath and the mind. Mm -hmm. right? I mean, even, even Western movies, they, it's a concept, they say, take a deep breath. Mm -hmm. right? I mean, every, it's, it's a fat, it's, it's a no one, I mean, it's just Ayurvedic, whatever. Yeah. But, yeah, there is a saying, on. there's a saying, anger is a bad advisor. So, first, take a deep breath, count to ten, and only then pull the trigger. <laughs> <laughs> it's a joke. Yeah, that wouldn't work well in a Clint Eastwood movie, but anyway. <laughs> Actually, all the snipers, they, nowadays, since last maybe 20 years, they practice pranayama. Gotcha. Sharpshooters in special forces, they actually practice pranayama. And they practice pass, uh, slowing down the heartbeat. Mm. And um, so they find uh, some use for this even in that, in that area. So there's things like that. Also in the Bhagavad Gita, where um, <coughs> Krishna is saying is one who is regulated in their habits of eating, sleeping, working, and recreation. Mm. Uh, Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur mentions recreation for a devotee is walking. Yes. And uh, Prabhupada used to take brisk walks. As a matter of fact, sometimes they would, devotees would say, devotees in their 20s had struggling keeping up with him. They were praying. So the Kirti Prabhu, Prabhu was saying, they were praying, oh, when will he turn back? <laughs> <They're> <laughs> yeah. Right. We, we are practic uh, practicing pranayama when we chant because automatically your exhalation is extended, which will lower your blood pressure automatically and which will cool down your mind automatically. That's why if you are not prepared, you may get sleepy automatically. It calms you down 
And if you don't have a higher engagement of your consciousness, it slows you down way too much. <laughs> so, <clears throat> uh, they also um, connect uh, aging with decreasing the capacity uh, of the volume of our lungs. Mm. So normally our lungs are between three and six liters, depending on uh, if you are a <clears throat> young, strong American, definitely six liters <laughs> or more, like Phelps. <laughs> uh, and then as we age, it decreases. And it, why? Because we don't breathe. Actually, uh, in hospitals, the leading cause of death is pneumonia, because people don't, when they, when they are lying, lying down, they don't breathe. And they don't ventilate, and it becomes uh, stagnant, and bacteria bacterias proliferate, and people, so they die not of their disease, but of uh, just because not breathing. I'm starting to breathe more now. Even. Yeah. So <laughs> you feel encouraged? Let's, let's breathe. <laughs> don't be afraid that your belly will stand out. It's okay. <laughs> That's why we don't breathe. <laughs> Think, oh my God, everybody will see. I got a bit. Yeah. But all of these things, you know, a lot of, you know, so pranayama is a, you know, is a Vedic practice. And it's just re good for us to remember that all of these things, these things, all these Vedic practices and even some of the social practices, as long as they are up, they're accepted to the degree that they are favorable to Krishna consciousness. Right? Smartavya satatam vishnu vi smartavya najatu chit. Sarva vidi nisheta shur, etayor evikankram. That all the do's and don'ts uh, of bhakti, but even I would say the do's and don'ts in the, Vedic, in, mm -hmm. in the broader Vedic, uh, as long as there's kinkaras, as mm -hmm. long as there's servants to this principle of remembering Krishna, not forgetting him, they can be accepted. The challenge again is when we make them, mm -hmm. we, we, we make them the goal instead of Krishna mm -hmm. bhakti. And that's why it's so special about these points in the, one of the great lessons in Prithimaraj's pastimes is, but like we said in the beginning, right, both karma, jnana, and yoga are all mentioned in the Prithimaraj's pastimes and all accepted only because they're, they're uh, connected with bhakti. I might also probably add that uh, we see um, in the Bhagavatam it's uh, being done a lot. Pranayam, then uh, mental detachment, merging uh, the body into the senses, senses into the mind, the mind into the intelligence. You can see Yudhishthir Maharaj does it. So uh, it was common knowledge. It was common skill. Everybody was trained in it. So it was what you learned in your kindergarten and you know, in, in your basic uh, school, schooling. Mm -hmm. So therefore, when we read, for us, it sounds, oh, I should go, I should go get you know, 15 years of training to start to learn how to do this. For them, they never needed uh, to do this. It, it, it was uh, a, a basic skill uh, for everybody. So therefore, because they knew how to do it, they used it. You know, if you know how to drive a car, you know, and you, 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 need, you have a car, you need to get somewhere quick, you use it. It's not that uh, you, you know, go have to learn how to drive, buy a car, then you get, in that case, you know, take an Uber. <laughs> <laughs> so they all knew, for them it was That's natural. Nice for them it was natural. Part of their upbringing. Yeah. And, and you can see, first canto describes Dhritarashtra and Yudhishthir, uh, resorting to that mystic yoga process, and when we read, we think, my God. But then we see Parikshit, he's showing how we can do it. 
you know, sit and listen to Srimad Bhagavatam. So he's showing what is practical nowadays for everybody. So I was just, um, you know how Bhaktivinoda Thakur in Bhakti Loka, he speaks about Niyamagraha and where Bhakti he's, Loka. yeah, Niyamagraha and where he says that when you're taking the next step, if you don't drop the rules and regulations of the lower rung of the ladder, then it's not like you're making progress. I was just wondering if you can comment in this context, how Shouldn't does that apply? It? How Shouldn't does that apply? Yeah, yeah. Because there's something higher that they have access to and they, they have faith in also. It, it, uh, <laughs> it's a very uh, fine but very important point uh, about <clears throat> pure bhakti, gona bhakti and pradhanya bhakti. So basically there are three types of bhakti. All Vedic activities can be done in three ways. So, uh, Gona Bhakti is what we reject. That's when uh, we aim at something else other than Krishna and use some processes other than Krishna Bhakti. So that's not recommended. That's uh, non-devotional Varnashrama also. That's Gona Bhakti, according to Vishnachaparya Bhakti. Whereas, uh, if uh, if you uh, use uh, this process, jnana, karma, even varnasham, uh, or dhyana, everything, in Krishna consciousness for advancing in, uh, f- towards bhakti, then it's called pradhanya. Bhakti, it's, honest, it's uh, an honest bhakti because you aim at, you're not misusing bhakti, you're, you're aiming at pleasing Krishna. It's just that you know how it works. Karma, uh, giving up fruits, karma yoga. Uh, uh, meditating, analyzing what's spirit in Jnana Yoga, meditating in Dhyana Yoga, you know how it works, so use it, you use it. And there is a fine line between uh, Pradhanya Bhakti, which is recommended, and uh, Kevala Bhakti, uh, where uh, you might use the same things, like we eat in pure Bhakti. Do we eat? We eat, don't we? I hope so. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, we eat prasadam, we eat trying to meditate on Krishna. So therefore, if that was uh, an acquire, already a skill that they had, had acquired, they could use it, but it was not a, a process on which they relied. It was not the primary process. It was like eating for a devotee. So this breathing, analyzing, merging, uh, it was uh, done not as the main process, but as a, like eating, as a subsidiary. Uh, thing uh, for pleasing Krishna. So, same with the, uh, in the, just a few uh, verses before, Prabhupada says, unless you develop the 26 qualities, you cannot uh, go to Krishna. So, do we need, do we need to or do we not uh, need to work on qualities? Uh, so, that's the same question. Not separately, but if this is, uh, if there are separate goals, separate processes, that's Jnana Mishra Bhakti. But if we please Krishna, we chant Hare Krishna, but how? Sunichena, Sahishnuna, Amanina, Manadena, that's how we do bhakti. Then it's pure bhakti. It's no problem. You don't have to give it up. That's how you, how you do it. So uh, it's, a, it's a fine line. And uh, for me, it took the whole Bhagavatam to finally... <laughs> so you can keep eating your South Indian prasad. <laughs> <laughs> Prabhuji is very happy. <laughs> Let's move on to text number nine. Thus, the best amongst human beings, Maharaj Prithu, followed the path of spiritual advancement, which was advised by Sanak Kumar, 
That is to say, he worshipped the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Krishna. Maharaj Prithu thus engaged completely in devotional service, executing the rules and regulations strictly according to principles 24 hours daily. Thus his love and devotion unto the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Krishna, developed and became unflinching and fixed. By regular, by regularly discharging devotional service, Prithu Maharaj became transcendental in mind and could therefore constantly think of the lotus feet of the Lord. Because of this, he became completely detached and attained perfect knowledge by which he could transcend all doubt. Thus, he was freed from the clutches of false ego and the material conception of life. And in this purport, just uh, was that point about the, well, I'll just read it. In the Narada Pancharatra, devotional service to the Lord is likened unto a queen. When a queen gives an audience, many maidservants follow her. The maidservants of devotional service are material opulence, liberation, and mystic powers. The karmis are very much attract, attached to material enjoyment. The ganis are very anxious to become freed from material clutches. And the yogis are very fond of attaining the eight kinds of mystic perfection. From the Narada Pancharatra, we understand that if one attains the stage of pure devotional service, he also attains all the opulences derived from fruitive activities, empiric philosophical speculation, and mystic yoga. So we don't have to endeavor for those separately. Uh, and even many times Prabhupada would say, uh, maybe you know, I don't remember the source of this, that you can't even perfect any of those other things without some bhakti. Yeah. Is there a source for that or is that a Prabhupada-ism? No, it's... Um um, I mean, you can find in six, six to nine, uh, Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur's comment, six to nine, Bhagavatam. Uh-huh. He says that even uh, karmic rites, even though performed in an offensive mood towards bhakti, are successful by bhakti's mercy. Uh, As yes, he thinks, if I don't give them mercy, they, they, get, they just go to hell. Okay, let me give them some mercy. <laughs> uh-huh. So for yeah. even, even karmakanda is successful only by some mercy of Bhakti Devi. Mm, nice. When he be- this is text 12. When he became completely freed from the conception of bodily life, Maharaj Prithu realized Lord Krishna sitting in everyone's heart as the Paramatma. Being thus able to get all instructions from him, he gave up all other practices of yoga and jnana. He was not even interested in the perfection of the yoga and jnana systems, for he thoroughly realized that devotional service to Krishna is the ultimate goal of life. And that unless the yogis and jnanis become attracted to Krishna Kata, their illusions uh, concerning existence can never be dispelled. And Prabhupada writes uh, short parts. He said, actually, the perfection of life depends on, anyone remember what he says? One's inclination to hear about Krishna. Isn't that, it's so, so it's just like, you know, there's no like hidden secrets, right? Mm-hmm. How do you, if you want to become mm-hmm. advanced, you just become inclined to hear about Krishna. Mm-hmm. And then he says, uh, two sentences later, unless one becomes interested in Krishna in his pastimes and activities, there is no question of liberation. So, of course, you know, we're speaking to the choir here because you all come on Sundays and hear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, 
Yeah, and, and it, for me, I, it reminds me of the jaundice example in the, in the nectar of instruction that, you know, so it's almost like we, are, we have to sharpen our intelligence a little bit. When we see that we're not so attracted to hear something, we'd rather surf the internet or this and that, but we catch our, we, we let our intelligence guide us back to something about Krishna that we can hear about and, uh, and connect in that way. Because uh, there are unlimited distractions in this world to distract us from this simple perfection of being inclined to hear about Krishna. There's so many, what is that in the second canto? There's so many other subjects matters for hearing. Shotavya, Inirajana, is that that verse? Yeah. So it's, I, it's, it's so scary because, you know, when, when uh, Ram Baru Mataji, when we, you became earlier than me, but when we became devotees, there was none of this. <laughs> no one, no devotee in the right mind would have a television. And, you know, we didn't have a radio. I mean, you know, living in Vrindavan uh, until the very last years that I was there, I didn't know anything about what was going on in the world. And I didn't, there was just so, of course, you could still get distracted somehow. You could talk gossip, you can criticize devotees. I mean, you know. There's always an opportunity, but it was a lot harder. <laughs> and now, you know, the world, the material world is at our fingertips. Like that. So, but it's so simple. Actually, the perfection of life depends on one's inclination to hear about Krishna. Simple. Some thoughts on that, Adi Prashpur? So. This is where we can uh, combine the previous topic of austerity with uh, the simplicity of the process. So sometimes uh, we think, okay, austerity is too much. So give me something sweet. Okay, Krishna Katha is sweet. Oh, but this one is not that sweet. Okay, I better go <laughs> <laughs> do something else. So that's where you use the two, <laughs> and uh, as in jaundice, as you said, also you can get um, accustomed to something that uh, feels austere and develop taste. So also you develop taste for Krishna Katha, and there's nothing better. And this is the criterion. There is one place where Srila Prabhupada says, our austerity is hearing, studying Bhagavad Gita and, and Srimad Bhagavatam. And this is also his suggestion in that uh, Bhagavad Gita verse about the austerity of the mind, how to, how to get the mind satisfied and, and content. He says uh, there are infinite stories in uh, the Puranas and the Mahabharata, and that's how you can uh, satisfy your mind, by finding taste uh, there. And uh, if you don't find enough taste there, means you are not sharing. Hmm. If you it means uh, so that this is that means you are, you are not going you're not digging uh, you're just touching the surface you're not opening the pack you know you have a tetra pack you know and you do, you're not opening you're getting it but you're not opening but if you share then you have to open and uh, you have to explain you have you, uh, you have to go deeper so uh, that's a, that sort of uh, extra bit to help you feel feel the taste and just have, get somebody and share something that you found interesting. <clears throat> also, when you read or hear in order to share, it's a completely different uh, process. 
When I yeah. just listen, uh, it goes over my head somewhere. I, I can get easily distracted, I pay no attention. Could pay no attention. But if I know I have to speak about it or answer some questions or share, I, I absorb like, you know, everything. I, I'm, uh, I'm all of a sudden finding so many interesting things mm. in what I hear. One other suggestion before we take comments is, because um, I just had this experience last week, it's good to have some kind of plan or project for our hearing, not just like, well, maybe I'll pick up the Gita today and Chaitanya <laughs> try. But you know, whether it's uh, Vaisheshika Guru's yes. 41 pages a day, yes. <laughs> or whether it's just, just I'm going to read this book and then I'm going to read that book, but just because we have usually, we all pretty much in, in uh, modern days, we have discretionary time. And I find that when I have discretionary time, but I don't have a plan for hearing, it's so easy to space out. But if I have a plan, so this really came to my mind because uh, about two weeks ago I was, I was asked to proofread Buri John Prabhu's new book on the fifth and sixth canto, 750 pages. Uh, so you have to read it. I, the proofreader has to read everything. You have to read carefully, right? And I normally, you know, I, would, I was reading 100 pages a day mm. just because... I had to do this service, yeah. right? Yeah. Otherwise, you know, 41 was really hard for me, right? Mm -hmm. What's, you know, 10 was hard for me, you know, mm -hmm. but, uh, but I was like, I, I, it was a project. I had to do it. Um, the, the Kaishori Matsuji, the uh, editor, was waiting for the proofreading. Uh, so, so I just realized I made the time. Mm. You know, it just, uh, you know, and I, did, you know, I didn't have so much time to space out doing other things. Yeah. Um, so, it, so it's good to have a hearing and chanting plan, uh, whatever it is, you know, but a plan so that when you wake up in the morning, you think, hey, you don't have to think, what am I going to read today? Uh, you know, I'm supposed to be hearing, yeah, you know, tomorrow. I, but if you know, oh no, I'm going to, this is really great, I'm reading Prithimaraj's pastimes, they're fascinating, or whatever it is, or I'm going through the Krishna book, or whatever it is uh, and that you might want to do in consultation with other devotees, senior devotees. But it's good to have a plan. This is how Srila Prabhupada defines a Kanishta Dikari in Chaitanya Sritamrita. He says, this is one, he does not purposefully study the scripture. He does not purposefully study. So plan means you have a purpose. Does not, he does not purposefully study the scripture, and this is why he does not learn how to interact with us. And then that's Kanishta. Nice. So some thoughts on this? covered a lot of stuff. Hi, yes. So past 10 minutes, both of you have very nicely covered how to develop the taste if someone, I mean the question which was on my mind, I was going to ask, if in spite of knowing all this, someone doesn't develop the taste, or doesn't, know, they know, they don't have the taste, but they understand this is important and this is the direction of spiritual life, purpose of life. So then, what can be done or you know how to identify what the problem is and how corrective action can be taken what can be done to help such a person uh, but I think I got all my answers you detailed it out you also so it was like telepathy I don't know I well, don't have the question anymore <laughs> well you know of course we're talking about hearing now and we're, again we're kind of preaching to the choir in the sense that you're here hearing um, <laughs> What is that? Ekanta? What is the, uh, the Sanskrit for a person who does one of the nine processes? Ekanga Bhakti. Ekanda Bhakti. Ekanga. So there may be different devotees who have different tastes. Right? We, we're talking here about the, the taste for hearing, and of course hearing and chanting are the 
primary ones. But for example, Prabhupada told Vibhu Chaitanya Prabhu, and this is not to be imitated, but at one time he was cooking all six offerings for Krishna Balaram. And Prabhupada just, and he was chanting while he was cooking. So Prabhupada said, you don't have to chant your rounds, you just keep cooking. <laughs> you know, so some of us may have a taste for kirtan. Not, some of us may have a taste for deity worship. Some of us may have a taste for going, studying deeply. You know, some of us, you know, uh, there's people who are illiterate, but, but they, they, they're pure devotees because they, they just love to chant Krishna's name. So there may be different tastes in, um, as now we're taking a step back from just the, the focus that we've been having the last few minutes on hearing. And so we can, um, it's also a practice in Krishna consciousness to find out where our taste is. Mm -hmm. And there's that spark and to fan that spark mm -hmm. till it blazes. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's a, uh, perhaps a more liberal, or not liberal, but a, taking a step back and, and thinking about all varieties of people in this world. Um, and they may have a taste for different things. Thank you. In Bhaktivasamda Sindhu, uh, when uh, Rupa Goswami describes Raganuga Sadhana, he says, where you do have spontaneous taste, uh, some spontaneous taste, you do it out of your spontaneous inclination, taste, uh, and uh, attraction. And where you don't, so they, there you do it because it's the rule. <laughs> so sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. So if it happens to be a day when we don't, okay, we do it as tapasya. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, the taste may come in the process. Yes. And uh, if we do, then so much the better. Uh, it's Rupa Goswami. It, um, this is our Nectar of Devotion, chapter uh, 16, and uh, corresponding to Raganuga, description of Raganuga Sadhana. Uh, in, Bhakti, in the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. So there he describes it, and then he says, you can practice a mixed, to the extent you have taste, spontaneous attraction to some Vrindavan uh, katha, you do it out of taste, and where you don't, then do it out of the rule, vidi. And uh, the advantage of hearing is that it, 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 it fuels all the other practices. Like, for example, say you're a pujari, but if you're regularly hearing about you know, how important deity worship is and Prabhupada's statements about deity worship and, and uh, you know, don't mess around, you're, dealing with, you're, you're directly dealing with the personality of Godhead and uh, cleanliness and timeliness are the most important things, they, they're an inspiration. Or I was just, you know, because of the service I was doing, I was just reading about Ajamil. And so, uh, not just about Ajamil, about the Yamadudas, the Vishnu Dudas, and the whole scene. And that inspire, that reading that pastime inspires one to chant more attentively, you know. So hearing also fuels the other practices of bhakti. Other thoughts? Hare Krishna. Um, back about uh, three centuries ago, when you were talking about uh, acquiring a taste for Krishna and how uh, how important that was that somehow brought to mind oh and then you were talking about distractions um, somehow it brought to mind that uh, Yukta Vairagya is very much connected to that that uh, as we acquire more of a desire to hear about Krishna then uh, we're not going to choose quote unquote distractions that 
bring us away from Krishna, but those things that uh, advance our devotional service, we'll be choosing those. Yeah, it's just tricky. Like, for example, this machine here, right? We can use it in so many great ways in Krishna's service. We have the folio program, and, and you know, I'm sure Adi has like every Vedic literature that ever existed on that little Not machine. yet. Not Not yet. yet. <laughs> Almost everyone. <laughs> you have that. Uh, you are still missing. The Acharya folio, or something like that, right? Um, and at the same time, this same machine can be used for all kinds of crazy stuff. Right, and and we can find out new what's happening. Did you weren't you interested in what the weather's like in Afghanistan today? <laughs> find out in two seconds. Okay. Right, so it, you know, uh, so I was just reading. Burijampu mentions this in in the uh, book that I'm uh, proofreading. Was proofreading that really it was Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasati Thakur that really um, promulgated this idea of Yukta Rai Raga in a big way. You know, driving cars and Western toilets and all. All, all, all those things. And of course, Prabhupada certainly gave it to us, but we do have to be careful. We do have to be careful. We have to be careful. We have to be careful to dovetail. My joke was dovetail. Dove is a very beautiful bird. And not crow tail. Oh. <laughs> right? Not uh, used, you know, because, it's, because we're so, na- it's kind of so natural to practice Yukta Vairagya, to use everything in Krishna service. We, we become very we become very accustomed to it, and therefore we have to be a little more on our guard um, because it's so easy to just you know switch from folio to Time magazine mm. mm-hmm. or or worse. Other thoughts? Well, yes, yes, okay. Just a quick thought, um, and there are times when there is taste, there is desire. And like we have to be a bit patient with our circumstances to change. There's that factor also sometimes. Correct. Yeah, so, <laughs> you know, different shlokes for different folks. You know, uh, we, we encourage, uh, we've talked about this, right? We encourage, let's say, uh, a newlywed. Like my son just got married what, a month ago, right? So, you know, his, what would, how we would encourage someone of his age and just changing ashrams uh, might be different than, say, someone my age, right? Mm-hmm. 60 and trying, and trying to go follow the, more of a vanaprastha uh, kind of situation. So, yes, it, it, so you use the word patient, you know, because sometimes people would say probably, you know, they just got married and want to take some yes. Examples like that. Or that one devotee, we won't mention his name, mm-hmm. who, who was a little overweight and probably said, you are fat, you are not fit to take some yes. Mm-hmm. You know, or whatever. So we do have to be a little patient, uh, and that's also the the um, the gift of having elders finally in this god, mm. where we can you know see someone who just wants to do something like you know really mm. um, what's the word outrageous. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I, I was thinking of like you know um, capriciously. Is that the word Whimsical. that Prabhupada uses? You know, and you know, and and you know, we can say. Oh. <laughs> Take a deep breath. <laughs> Do some funny out. <laughs> and let's discuss this a little bit more. Yeah. Because, you know, it's such, a, it's such a bad example, but I'm sorry that it, I, I've used this song before because it's about gambling. But, you know, Kenny Rogers had this song that we can dovetail in. You have to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away, and know when to run. <laughs> or a better one is the Bible. Right? Uh, to everything, you know, the bird song, turned, there is a season. And a time for all 
uh, in under earth, uh, under heaven. So we have to, yeah. Mother Rambaru mentioned something about praying and something about schedule. He said I could, he's, uh, you mean with Siddhartha, his, he yeah. said I can fast, I can pray, and I can wait. Right, yes. Mm. So surrender includes accept, surrendering to Krishna's schedule. And uh, in Bhakti Aloka, uh, where Dharya is explained, which is steadiness and patience, so Bhaktivinoda Thakur writes uh, a very mysterious sentence near the end. He says that if you are not patient, we can give up practice, we become discouraged. And then he says Krishna wants to see patience, and as soon as he finds patience, he gives, immediately gives mercy. So uh, it's a very paradoxical statement. As soon as you agree to wait forever, you don't have to wait anymore. <laughs> It's like that, uh, was that Makunda? The, the, yes, the leaves exactly, on the right, tree? yeah, 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 exactly. He, he said, so will I be able to see Goranga? Uh, in 10 million lifetimes. I will see, I will see. <laughs> and Goranga said, okay, bring him in. <laughs> bring him in. Yeah, it, then 10 million lifetimes get compressed by so, that patience into one second. Utsahan Nishaya Dhariyat. Yeah. Yeah. It's 11.30. Ooh. The time, most, time marches on. So that means, I think that was an indication we should go to the next verse. My, my computer tells me every half hour so that I can kind of... Uh -huh. Did I use that last half hour properly? Uh -huh. In due course of time, <laughs> time, uh, when Prithu Maharaj was to give up his body, he fixed his mind firmly upon the lotus feet of Krishna and thus completely situated on the Brahma Bhutta platform, he gave up material body. Now, so, so from 13 to 18, this verse 13, we're going to hear about Prithumaraj going back to Godhead. Oh, this is uh, just a little sentence in the purple. Prithumaraj, by the grace of Krishna, could understand that the end of his life was near, and thus he became very jubilant. Hmm. It's like the total opposite of Prabhupada, that story Prabhupada tells about the person who said to the doctor, give me four more years. I have to finish my work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's my favorite way to greet devotees, saying, uh, uh, Happy Sunday, uh, one week closer to death. <laughs> and devotees laugh. Non-devotees usually don't. You see, new people, they don't. But when you say, one day closer to death, they always, ah, yes. <laughs> and recently I tried to say, one day closer to Krishna. And devotees were, you know, suspicious. They didn't laugh. So they said, okay, okay, one day closer to death. Ah, okay. Because <laughs> we know we never die. <laughs> when Maharaj Prithu practiced a particularly yogic sitting posture, he blocked the door. So this is the process that we are hearing about. We're going to hear about it for the next few verses, so we'll read through those. He blocked the door of his anus with his ankles, pressed the right and left calves, and gradually raised his life air upward, passing it on the cir circle of the navel, up to his heart and throat, and finally push it upward to the central position between his two eyebrows. In this way, Prithu Maharaj gradually raised his air of life up to the whole of his skull, whereupon he lost all desire for material existence. Gradually he merged his air of life with the totality of air, his body with the totality of earth, and the fire within his body with the totality of fire. 
In this way, according to the different positions of the various parts of the body, Prithu Maharaj merged the holes of his senses with the sky, his bodily fluids, such as blood and various secretions with the totality of water, and he merged earth with water, and water with fire, fire with air, air with sky, and so on. One second. Okay. He amalgamated the mind with the senses and the senses with the sense objects according to their respective positions, and he also amalgamated the material ego with the total material energy, maha tattva. And the purport Prabhupada basically says, just chant Hare Krishna, <laughs> basically. Prithu Maharaj then offered the total designation of the living entity unto the supreme controller of illusory energy. Being released from all the designations by which the living entity became entrapped, he became free by knowledge and renunciation and by the spiritual force of his devotional service. In this way, being situated in his original constitutional position of Krishna consciousness, he gave up his body as a prabhu, or controller of the senses. So now we're going to hear about Archie, the queen. The next 11 verses talk about what happened with her. So the queen, the wife of Prithu Maharaj, whose name was Archie, followed her husband into the forest. Since she was a queen, her body was very delicate. Although she did not deserve, des uh, deserve to live in the forest, she voluntarily touched her lotus feet to the ground. I guess that means she was carried by palaquins in many places. Although she was not accustomed to such difficulties, Queen Archie followed her husband in the regulated principles of living in the forest like great sages. She lay down on the ground and ate only fruits, flowers, and leaves, and because she was not fit for these activities, she became frail and thin. Yet, because of the pleasure she derived in serving her husband, she did not feel any difficulties. So a little bit about that. Perform some austerities and your body grows accustomed to things. And that's the raw food diet. That was, yeah, that's the, raw, that's the real raw food it, diet. It has a place for one process. I'm working on it. <laughs> I mean, not necessary, but <laughs> awesome. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> when Queen Archie saw that her husband, who had been so merciful to her and the earth, no longer showed symptoms of life, she lamented for a little while and then built a fiery pyre on top of a hill and placed the body of her husband on it. And Prabhupada writes, I thought this was interesting, he said, Maharaj Prithu is described here as Daita. For not only was... He, the king of the earth, but he treated the earth as, as his protected child. So, um, oh, similar, I'm sorry, similarly he protected his wife also. It was the duty of the king to give protection to everyone, especially to the earth or land which he ruled, as well as the citizens and his family members. So this idea of uh, being of, first of all, understanding that the demigods are totally real. They actually exist. Mm -hmm. And there is Mother Earth. Uh, and it is our duty, at least, well, we, we'll talk about how, maybe how to do it, but it is our duty as devotees to be good to Mother Earth. She is our mother, and you know we've talked about this. Everything that you see comes from the Earth. Right? Is there anything that we're wearing or eating that doesn't come from the Earth? Mm -hmm. right? Everything. So we're totally dependent on Mother Earth for our subsistence, right? Um, and it's incredible how we are not being very kind to her these days, right? Um, 
So some thoughts on that about Mother Earth? Just, uh, I think a few days ago, in, during one of my distractions on Facebook, I saw a, a post <laughs> that uh, some, some guy paddled across the ocean. And then he said that there was never a moment or a day or an hour where he didn't see some plastic floating in, 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 in the vast uh, areas of somewhere far away from, from the people. They say there is a there is an uh, uh, island of plastic the size of a bigger than Europe, I think, in uh, the Pacific Ocean. So here in this temple, Iskon of DC, we have only biodegradable <laughs> And this is uh, wind energy. It is. The, all the electricity is from wind nice. in this temple. So. Uh, in, uh, on one hand, we are not uh, fanatical ecologists because we know uh, the world is not a closed system. Uh, the demigods and Krishna can supply more than earth. At the same time, if we do not appreciate the gifts, we are disrespectful and that's insult, an insult, that's offensive. So. If we chant, my conviction is that because devotee Srila Prabhupada did come, we did chant, we did get more, uh, another lease for oil, air, uh, uh, water. You may remember, 70s, 80s, there was no, no air. There was, water was polluted. Everything, yeah. oil was... There was an oil shortage, a gas shortage also. Yeah, I saw it. When, I, when I was a kid, there was lines yeah. like a mile long to pit buy gas at the gas stations. And then the demigods say, oh, they use this for Sankirtan events. Okay. They sing her. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I can't, I can't prove it, but I think. <laughs> and now, and it's encouraging that it seems the world is shifting to cleaner uh, ways of. Um, they say, if you just use 1.7% uh, of the Sahara's area for solar uh, power plants, it will produce enough energy to cover all the needs of humanity. So I think, I, I, I'm saying this is Goranga era. Goranga era is also there. Some people do predict that, uh, that there's going to be free energy, and some people are optimistic about it. So what does it depend upon? It, it's not decided yet. It depends upon uh, how do we chant? How nicely do we chant? How nicely do we hear? And that depends uh, how nicely do we, do we treat each other? What does it mean to chant nicely? It means I chant attentively. I chant attentively means I had not insulted anybody recently. <laughs> then, therefore, I can focus on my chanting. Some thoughts on Mother Earth? Yes, go ahead. Then the uh, microphone for Isati. It's not a philosophical one. It's like um, we talked about Mother Earth as a demigod, so I'm not. Uh, I'm, I do not know like where does she live? Is inside the Earth or some higher planetary system? She is the Earth. She has several forms. We see she likes to take the form of a cow. That's her standard form. She's the expansion. Earth is very special. She is described. She fulfills all desires. Mm -hmm. she, she, Sarva kama dukama hi. Yes. 
Norman. And uh, <clears throat> she is, uh, Krishna does have three principal shaktis, one of which is Bhu Shakti. So she is a, an expansion of uh, Bhu Shakti. And uh, <clears throat> so she has a very special place in the universe. It's, it's one single place where you can advance in spiritual life uh, most swiftly uh, as compared to any other place. So even, there's a place where it says even Vaikuntavasis want to come to earth. Forget about Svarga, even Vaikuntavasis. And Kali Yuga is supposed to be the best time, Hare Krishna, for spiritual advancement. <clears throat> because it's uh, by chanting and hearing Srimad Bhagavatam. And <clears throat> but where exactly is her palace? Uh, I um, must, uh, with all regret, I must uh, admit I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like, I, was just, uh, I thought I remember that quote from Charles Dickens. He said, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. Kali Yuga. Two Cities? <laughs> Charles yes. Dickens. Tale of Two Cities? Um, I think so. Uh -huh. yeah. French Revolution. So, uh, <laughs> Kali Yuga is like that, isn't it? It's so, Kalo Dosha Nide Rajan, it has, it's just an ocean of faults. Yet, Asti Hieko Mahagunan, there's this amazing benediction. Kirtanadeva Krishnasya. I remember. Where Bhumi is? Yes. Okay. Uh, Brihad Bhagavatamrita, the first covering. She has a loka there. She greets Gopkumar there. Goes up Bhu Mandala, the fifth canto. Yeah. So, yeah, so I think a lot of, uh, for example, we have these biodegradable cups and things. One is to be respectful to earth, but it's also, it's, uh, although I don't know if my wife would agree with me, it's also an outreach thing. I mean, you can't, these days, you can't, like, have a feast and serve styrofoam. Mm. I mean, people, and, you know, the kind of people that would want to come to a Hare Krishna temple would, like, mm -hmm. are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, so, uh, I remember my wife went to some interfaith program a little while ago, and they were serving stuff. She just, like, couldn't believe it. Mm. She went right up to the organizer. What? <laughs> they're so cheap. Yeah, there's, you know, because usually styrofoam is, quite inexpensive in America. Just a few days ago, CNN, uh, it was in, in the top uh, article, said, uh, you regret the, the fires in Amazon, in the Amazon forest, eat less meat. Or yeah. stop eating meat. Because why it happens? Because uh, they burn the forest to have more uh, pastures for industrial, uh, sorry to, I mean, it's even, doesn't sound right to say beef. I mean, it's to 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 uh, kill cows basically to have uh, grass for cows, which they kill for meat consumption. The biggest exporter in the world. Other thoughts about Mother Earth? And the Mahabharata also says that when you become a vegetarian, then millions and millions of living entities say blessings to you. Please be blessed and successful. Thank you. You will not eat us. Hi, Krishna Raj. Did you have a question? No. Yes. Red? Is it on? It's not on? It's on. Press the button. Hare Krishna. 
Uh, Mother Earth, uh, Sadhguru recently launched a wonderful program to plant 2.4 billion trees in southern India. That's a very, uh, very powerful way you can contribute. Well, in Oxford, they have the Bhumi Project, which is headed by Gopal. What's his? Is that just his name? Gopal something? Gopal, the disciple of Radha Swami, who's making awareness of, uh, from a uh, Vedic point of view around the world, and because it's from Oxford, it's very well respected. Yeah, it's called mm -hmm. the Bhumi Project. It also turned out that in the last 20 years, the green mass. Uh, uh, in the world uh, has increased by 5%, which is more than uh, all the Amazon forests. Okay. And it was planted by people, primarily in India and China. Okay. Not everything is bad. <laughs> yes. Although when I was in China, the, the yellow river, Yangtze, is that what it's called? Yeah. It was more like um, a wasteland. <laughs> like the Jamuna. Yes. I just, uh, just a very quick sentence. If you take care of Mother Earth, she will take care of you. I mean, it's just really, we really are depending on the care of the Earth to be cared for. And as Prabhupada would always remind us that who is the Father? If we say Mother Earth, mm -hmm. who is the Father? Yes, Boo? Hare Krishna. So, um, Mother Earth, again, there is a burden of love is being referred, and at the same time, there is a burden in the beginning of uh, Krishna book when Mother Earth takes shelter of Lord Brahma and says, "You know, there is so much burden on me." At that time, it was the Kshatriyas who had become so atrocious and given up the religious principles. So we have to also understand that the truthfulness—that's the only religious principle in Kali age, which is also deteriorating. We are discussing in the morning. Uh, also becomes a burden for Mother Earth. So we talk about other factors, but he said that Mother Earth can take up as much population as you give it, and she doesn't feel that as much as she feels from one liar. So that's a big burden. I wonder so, what she's feeling about these days. Hare Krishna. <laughs> so that quality is also going away. And it becomes more burdensome. So again, we talk about so many things outside that people should do. The biggest thing is just take to the chanting of the holy names and Kirtan Yajna so you clean inside. And Ranad Maharaj, when he had uh, this conversation with Menka Gandhi, he, ex you know, he, he brought this point outside. Once again, you're cleaning outside, but what about inside? And we are cleaning inside. So we should join forces to make sure that everything is clean and nice. Right. So let's continue. Uh, after this, the queen executed the necessary funer funerary functions and offered oblations of water. After bathing in the river, river, she offered obeisances to various demigods situated in the sky in the different planetary systems. She then circumambulated the fire and while thinking of the lotus feet of her husband, entered its flames. So Prabhupada mentions that it has become a demoniac thing of forcing women to perform sati. Um, and the idea in ancient times was that the fire of separation from one's husband was more painful than the fire, uh, fire. But the, but the fact that uh, he said in remote villages sometimes people are still forced to do that is, is terrible and demoniac. 
After observing this brave act performed by the chaste wife, Archie, the wife of the great King Prithu, many thousands of wives of the demigods, along with their husbands, offered prayers to the queen, for they were very much satisfied. At that time, the demigods being situated on the top of Mandura Hill, and all of their wives began to shower flowers on the funeral pyre and began to talk amongst themselves as follows. The wives of the demigods said, All glories to Queen Archie. We can see that this queen of the great King Pritu, the emperor of all the kings of the world, has served her husband with mind, speech, and body, exactly as the goddess of fortune serves the supreme personality of God Jagnesha, or Vishnu. This is why they continue, Just see how this chaste lady, Archie, by dint of her inconceivable pious activities, is still following her husband upward as far as we can see. So they just went right past all the demigods, the spiritual world. And the, the commentaries on this talk about the, the real essence of this is the power of bhakti. Mm -hmm. And because of the bhakti of Archie and the bhakti of Prithu, they, they, they surpassed the demigods and went to Vaikuntha. Text 27, in the material world, every human being has a short span of life, but those who are engaged in devotional service, this is the point, go back home, back to Godhead, for they are actually on the path of liberation. For such persons, there is nothing which is not available. So in other words, there's so many things available on the higher planets, right? But not interested. Mm -hmm. They're just absorbed in devotional service. Text 28. Any person who engages himself within this material world in performing activities that necessitate great struggle and who after attaining a human form of life, which is a chance to attain liberation from miseries, undertakes the difficult tasks of fruitive activities, must be considered to be cheated and envious of his own self. And Prabhupada writes, uh, when one wants to cross a large ocean, he requires a strong boat. It is said that this human form of life is a good boat. You've heard this example before? Yeah. By which one can cross the ocean of nescience. In the human form of life, one can obtain the guidance of a good navigator, the spiritual master. One also gets a favorable wind by the mercy of Krishna, and that wind is the instructions of Krishna. So it's, sometimes I think it's good to, you know, we've heard these, some of us have heard this 20, 50, 100, 200 times, but it's actually such a beautiful metaphor. And so if you, if you kind of, Look at it through fresh eyes, like you've heard it for the first time. It's like, wow. The, 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 the favorable winds. The human body is the boat. The instructions of Lord Krishna are the favorable winds. And the spiritual master is the navigator. The spiritual master knows well how to adjust the sails. So not a real, uh, the sailing metaphor is even getting more, <laughs> yeah. Uh, to catch the winds favorably and, and steer the boat to its destination. Um, has anyone ever gone sailing? Right? So when you, when you, catch, when you catch it right, mm. right, it really, it literally smooth sailing, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And sometimes it's, it's tough to catch it right, mm -hmm. to, you know, to, because it's actually quite an art. Sailing is quite an art. If, however, one does not take advantage of this opportunity, one wastes the human form of life. Wasting time and life in this way is the same as committing suicide. So it's really, it, it, you know, uh, uh, how many times does a Shastra and Srila Prabhupada talk about being engaged 24 hours a day in pure devotional service uh, or, and talk about wasting time, Ayur Harati Vaipung Sangrite from the 
right? Every rising and setting in the sun, another day is wasted, except for those who hear and chant about Krishna. And so this is one of our challenges, is, you know, we're not going to, just like I, I've told the story about the devotee who, uh, Prabhupada would often, not often, but regularly he sent letters, initiation letters, you know, please, you know, chant 24 hours a day. And mm -hmm. so like, you know, a devotee would get that letter, get initiated, and like he'd last about 28 hours. <laughs> right. But, um, yeah, so, you know, we want to be 100% gauged in Krishna consciousness. And probably for the most of us, the reality is we're somewhere along that spectrum. From no time, which I don't think anyone in this room is, to 24 hours a day. And what we want to do is keep on making progress so that uh, our, uh, and then, in, is it here? Oh, no, a previous verse uh, quoted that verse, what pure devotional service is. It's free from other motivations. And we want to, one of our sadhanas, one of our practices is to gradually spend more and more time practicing pure devotional service and less and less time doing anything else. That's one way to look at our, our 24 hours. We all have the same amount of time, 24 hours in a day. And we all choose to use it differently. So the use of our free will is to try to, is to uh, get practiced at um, going towards this full engagement in devotional service and therefore using the human form of life appropriately. And, I, and therefore, I'm sure that many of us can really relate to like the songs in Naratam Das Thakur where he, he laments, or Bhaktivinoda Thakur, same thing, I've wasted so much time. You know, because they're really showing us, because don't we all, don't we all feel that sometimes? God, I just got caught up in whatever, and I could have been chanting Hare Krishna. I could have been reading the Bhagavatam. I could have been doing some service for a devotee. So by sufficient hearing, and Krishna Katha and reading, reading is a form of hearing, also hearing and reading in an involved way, or purposeful, and also involved. In other words, we think how we can apply, how, can, how we can share, then it will spill over into our uh, quote-unquote non-devotional activities because we will uh, be uh, re reminded something will pop up in our mind, it will, it will come up from what we have heard or read. Especially like, you know, you're coming here, so that's an involved uh, hearing. You see beautiful Shishi Radha Madan Mohan. We see them now, but not in about two seconds. <laughs> <laughs> so involved means that um, not formally, but also you want to share, you want to, you, you, you want to apply. So Burjan Prabhu gives a whole a list of how we can get involved for, in our study by setting goals, by how to analyze which questions. Uh, if you don't have our own questions, we can borrow some questions. We can we can lend you some questions for <laughs> for uh, reading. Some comments? Yeah. Yes. Um, I apologize. I want the concentration to continue to be on what you're just talking about. But um, I also wanted to, send this thought occurred to me when we were discussing the verses about Archie and her perfection. Um, we know that uh, 
women, especially devotee women, are extremely intelligent. And uh, I guess the question that's been uh, floating around in my mind is, um, she, women are taught in the Vedic system to serve their husband, and that's their perfection. Um, I noticed there wasn't any mention of thinking uh, of Krishna in, in, the, in other words, her service to her husband was uh, her service to Krishna. Um, I, uh, it's difficult wording this question, but... Um, Where was her direct practice of process, the processes of bhakti? Okay. Yeah? Well, the most direct, the best way to serve Krishna is to serve his devotees. Plus, Prithu is an incarnation. Yeah, all right. But then also, it's interesting, because in, um, what we're not going to get to today, because we only have two minutes left, we have the Shruti Fal at the end of this chapter, the, uh, the benefits that you get by reading about Prithu Maharaj. And it says, it does not matter whether one is a man or a woman. Anyone who with great respect hears the narrations of Maharaj Prithu will become the parent of many children. And it goes on to the benedictions that you get. It says it does not matter whether one is man or woman. Right there in the... Uh, I'm not disputing. I'm just curious. Yeah, but but I, also in the Acharya's point of view, that Archie had, she she surpassed all the demigods because of her devotion. No, I, I, like I said, I just read here, it does not matter whether one, so <coughs> hearing and chanting, here it says it doesn't matter whether one is a man or woman. Anyone who with great respect hears the narrations of King Prithu. <coughs> Draupadi uh, is glorified. That's chap uh, quality 17 of Krishna. Uh, Krishna is grateful. So, because uh, Draupadi exclaimed, Hey Krishna, hey Govinda! She didn't exclaim, hey Arjuna, hey Bhima. <laughs> because she exclaimed, hey Krishna, hey Govinda. This, uh, uh, Krishna was, this call for me has put me in her debt. And that indebtedness is gradually increasing in my heart, says Krishna. By her, hey Govinda. And Srila Prabhupada says, when we chant Hare Krishna, uh, we can imagine how much the Supreme Lord is obliged it is impossible for the Lord to ever forget such a devotee. We only have one minute left, so you have oh. one last question. We were talking about chanting. I read that there's three types of chanting, um, Vaikarya, Upashu, and I forgot the third one. Basically, one where you do silently in the mind, audibly, and you, you hum something. What is, in your opinion, the, the most beneficial? What is, in your opinion, the most beneficial? I'll quote Haridas Thakur, who says that, in his opinion, the ben most beneficial is loud chanting, uh, which benefits you and everybody else. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. And the beauty is that you can accompany it with your internal chanting too. That's the best.
That's, that's, that's called inattentive chanting. Uh, the holy name on the tongue and the holy name in the, in the, in the mind. Yeah. Haridas Thakur chanted yes. loudly, silently, uh, quietly and silently. Right? But yes, that was his recommendation. Okay, so next week we start a new chapter, a new pastime really. Uh, we're going to hear about King Prithu's um, descendants and that leads into the uh, next pastime, which is, the next chapter is called Chanting the Song, sung by Lord Shiva. So we will have class, Krishna willing, next week, and uh, pretty much all of September, uh, except for the last weekend. Um, I'm going to India for two or three weeks. <laughs>